The Canadian government has unveiled a new design for the Canadian royal crown sitting atop the country's coat of arms, replacing religious symbols with snowflakes and maple leaves. Alberta declares a state of emergency as wildfires rage on in northern and central Alberta amid hot and dry conditions. Liberal Party members pass a number of resolutions at their national convention over the weekend, including calling on the government to commit to a universal basic income and requesting the government limit material published online. Hello Canada, it's Monday, May 8th, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Rachel Emanuel. And I'm Andrew Lawton. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. Alberta has declared a state of emergency to marshal additional resources to deal with raging wildfires across the province. As of Monday morning, Alberta wildfire lists 105 active wildfires in the province, with 29 fires classified as out of control. Evacuation orders have been issued across the province, including parts of Strathcona County and the town of Edson. Alberta Emergency Management Agency says more than 24,000 Albertans have fled their homes. Alberta Premier Danielle Smith convened an emergency management cabinet committee to monitor the situation and to get briefed by experts handling the response. Smith told reporters on Saturday that declaring a state of emergency was, quote, not a step that we took lightly, but it's one that will allow the quickest and most effective response, end quote. She added that by doing so, it gives Alberta greater powers to mobilize support and access emergency funds. The province welcomed additional firefighters from Ontario and Quebec on Saturday, as well as air resources. Alberta Wildfire says they will be leveraging support from across Canada and the U.S. in the coming days. Smith says she will also be approaching Prime Minister Justin Trudeau for federal resources. Andrew, this is a crazy and unexpected story happening in Alberta right now. A lot of people are really surprised to see the number of wildfires Typically, this is when the provinces engage in what's called a control burn, where they burn old brush to avoid forest fires later on in the summer. But this situation has gotten out of control extremely rapidly. There's so many fires that are out of control. Obviously, resources across the province are stretched extremely thin right now. We know that the province also has 19 fires which are being held and another 59 which are under control, but certainly this is a scary situation and I'm hearing from reports from people on the ground. Some people have already lost their homes. Oh, it's absolutely horrible. And obviously, Alberta has been through this before in, in similar ways. I mean, Brian Jean, who's, who's now uh, standing as a UCP candidate, the former uh, UCP leadership candidate, uh, notably lost his house uh, some years back. And Alberta's also had to contend with floods. So, I mean, their emergency management agency certainly is experienced, but that doesn't make it any less taxing when something like this comes up and you have to mobilize in very short order against a, a crisis that I think largely wasn't coming. One of the things that I saw circulating online, and I suspect you and others did as well, is people saying this seems suspicious, there's too many fires, it's too early in the season to see this many fires ongoing. Those people were quickly flagged as being conspiracy theories. No one is starting the fires, a lot of people argued. But then over the weekend, Parkland County actually issued a statement 
saying their firefighters have responded to four fires in five days that appear to be intentionally set. And they're asking Albertans to keep a close eye on the situation. That is one of the darkest things that I have read in a long time. Certainly, it's very hot and it was very windy over the weekend up in northern Alberta. And the idea that someone would be intentionally setting fires is one of the sickest things I can imagine. Absolutely. And I don't pretend to be an expert in, uh, I don't know if pyrology is a word, but in in fires and how they work and how they start and all of that. But I, I do know that we should not be afraid to ask these questions, especially if you have authorities saying that there are intentional fires. Now, does that mean that these wildfires in general are intentional or someone is or coincidental or perhaps someone is just uh, using the natural fires as cover for arson? But either way, it, it should be investigated. And I don't think uh, we should be so quick to shout people down that are saying, Saying, hey, something doesn't make sense, because that admittedly was my first response, which was that it was a little early in the season. But again, it's I'm not an expert. I defer to the experts on stuff like this, but that doesn't mean we can't be skeptical if things aren't adding up, especially for people that have experience with this and know when things are atypical. Well, absolutely. And for some of the people that have been saying, this is suspicious, this isn't normal. These are Albertans who've been living in northern and rural Alberta for, you know, 40, 50 years. They know when it's wildfire season. They know when something seems out of the ordinary. So for these types of people to be speaking up and saying, this doesn't seem right to me. Sure, they might not be an actual an expert. Maybe they don't work for the province, but they've lived through this long enough to know when something seems amiss. And so I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more about this in the coming days. King Charles III and Queen Camilla were crowned over the weekend, and to mark the occasion, Canada unveiled a new design for the Canadian Royal Crown, which sits atop the Canada Coat of Arms. The new crown, which is a heraldic emblem and not a material object, replaces religious symbols like trading crosses and fleur-de-lis with maple leaves and a literal snowflake. Some critics are already calling it the Trudeau crown and have accused Justin Trudeau of politicizing the coat of arms, stripping it of its religious symbolism and other traditional symbols. Author and royal historian Christopher McCreary told the National Post that the new Canadian crown, which has been approved by King Charles III, is totally unconnected to the king or the coronation. It means the unity of the symbol of the royal crown, which represents the sovereign throughout the realms, will be broken, further distancing the king and the monarchy as an institution. That is uh, Christopher McCreary's observation there. He says it's akin to a new national flag being raised on Canada Day with no consultation or debate, developed in secret by those who wish to advance their personal vision of the country. Now, a lot of Canadians admittedly would say they've never heard of the Canadian Royal Crown and they don't particularly know or care what's on the Canada Coat of Arms, but I, I don't think that gives the government a pass here for changing a symbol that is steeped in tradition to make it, what, maple leaves and snowflakes? Absolutely. And for the Canadians that do care about this royal crown, likely monarchists, likely people who are highly invested, support the British monarchy, you know, are excited about these types of things, were excited about the coronation. When I first heard about the crown being changed, I didn't have strong thoughts on it. I thought, you know, this is the Trudeau liberals in their bid to make sure that we are a very secular nation and have no ties to religion of any sort. And then I saw the crown 
and it is the most cartoonish thing imaginable. We've actually put maple leaves on her crown. Like it looks like something you would expect to see in Looney Tunes. I had a chuckle. It's it's honestly quite sad. It's a little bit embarrassing. I don't know what to make of the situation. I think it's just indicative of the government of the day, but it looks extremely silly. And I never considered myself much of a monarchist until actually during the pandemic. I watched The Crown and suddenly my love for the monarchy and support for them grew like tenfold. I don't know what that says about me. But uh, now seeing this, I'm a little bit offended. It looks ridiculous. I'm like, they definitely could have come up with something better than this. And they absolutely should have consulted because the people that do care about the monarchy and are supportive of it would have had a lot to say and probably could have given suggestions for something that would look quite a bit better than this. I should say it isn't just Justin Trudeau that's stripping away religious symbolism from the institution. I mean, King Charles III notably is not uh, identifying himself as defender of the faith, which has been a, a longstanding religious title going back to the 16th century. So this idea that we're just trying to secularize everything, including thousand-year-old institutions, is, I think, quite unfortunate. I also wonder what it actually means for the monarchy if we try to separate it from the institution of the church, which is a long-standing part of the monarchy's tradition. Traditionally, the monarch was considered the head of the Church of England. So now if we're removing religious symbols from it, where does that really leave the monarchy and what importance does it still continue to serve? Absolutely. And look, I realize that in Canada and especially elsewhere, like in the Caribbean and Australia, the monarchy is increasingly under threat by Republican sentiments, people that don't think it's particularly relevant. But I don't think the way you uh, preserve its relevance is by stripping away all the things that made it relevant. Liberal Party members met in Ottawa over the weekend for the Liberal Party's National Convention. The convention featured speeches from Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and other Liberal cabinet members, and a fireside chat with Christia Freeland and former Democratic presidential candidate Hillary Clinton. Liberal members also passed a number of resolutions, which included requesting the federal government, quote, explore options to hold online information services accountable for the veracity of material published on their platforms and to limit publication only to material whose sources can be traced. They also passed a resolution that the government introduce a guaranteed livable basic income bill. Liberal Party members also urged the government to, quote, develop a high-profile task force, end quote, to help the prairies transition to a green economy. Andrew, lots to dive into here, lots to cause questions for concern. Of course, the one joke sort of circulating the internet over the weekend was that the Liberals are always complaining about Conservatives introducing American-style politics into Canada. And then, of course, they go ahead and invite Hillary Clinton over to their convention. But you're our expert here. What do you make of this policy about guaranteed livable basic income? We know that it's not binding. How likely is it that we could see the Liberal government push to introduce something like this in the coming months and years? Yeah, and I, I should just clarify for people that aren't as familiar with the party policy process, party members can vote whatever policy they want to form the official policy of the Liberal Party of Canada in the, the so-called policy book. But there's nothing compelling a Liberal leader to take that policy book and make it 
a platform. There's nothing compelling a liberal prime minister or a liberal government to do anything about that. So we cannot draw a direct line between what liberal members have passed as policy and what Justin Trudeau is going to do. But it is incredibly revealing of the mindset of liberal members and, and what liberal members want and expect of Justin Trudeau and the government. So when we have just those resolutions you've brought forward here about limiting what content can be posted online, about trying to overhaul the economy and, and put a, a universal basic income bill in place. I mean, these are relatively radical proposals. And I, I know that the media would be jumping up and down if conservatives were putting censorship provisions as their policy or uh, conservatives were passing policy saying we want to abandon income tax and switch to only a consumption tax or something. But the liberals tend to get a pass on these things. I want to dive into that other resolution that was passed a little bit more, this idea that essentially news outlets could only publish material if they weren't relying on anonymous sources, which we know that a lot of the best news stories are relying completely on anonymous sources. Take example for a lot of the stories that came out of Chinese election interference. Those were all from anonymous sources. You know, obviously people in these institutions and these government departments can't speak on the record about these things because they know they will be fired from their jobs and in some cases even prosecuted under the law. So it's really interesting to see this policy proposal come forward now. I'd be curious to know some of the thinking behind it when it was something that they first started discussing. Obviously, anonymous sources and, you know, particularly the Globe and Mail, who relies quite heavily on anonymous sources, they're quite a trusted Canadian institution speaking from a mainstream perspective. And so they're able to use anonymous sources to reveal government secrets quite often. I'm wondering at which point the liberal government said or liberal thinkers said, you know, we've had enough of this. It's time to crack down on this and thought by pushing forward this policy, that's a way they could go about this. And I know it sounds radical. I know it's non-binding, but hey, there's been a number of instances where we've said, man, this idea sounds so crazy. And then two weeks later, we're discussing that it's something a government institution is actually considering. For example, the CRTC now actually holding hearings and consulting with the Canadian public on whether it should ban Fox News. Just a couple weeks ago, that was a crazy idea. And now it's something that we're actually discussing. So even to see these types of policies coming forward at a, little, at a liberal convention and to know this is their thinking, to me, it's quite concerning. Yes, and I, I would say I, I don't love stories that uh, involve anonymous sources. I, I think they're a necessary evil rather than something that we should strive towards. But I, I do note, as you've raised there, Rachel, that uh, the Liberals have been absolutely hammered by some such stories in the last little while. And you have to wonder if that was sort of weighing on Liberal Party members. that They're like, well, the only thing we can do is just control the flow of information. That's the only way we're going to be able to stop this onslaught of negative press. That's it for today, and don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. And if you're able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news. Thanks for listening, and have a great day.